Hello and welcome back for our final episode. I don't think everyone was necessarily expecting us to come back for more, but one final pod of Cheltenham Only Better. Um, we kind of thought we'd better sort of wrap up the festival, give some of our thoughts and also reveal who was the best tipster on the pod. Because obviously we've had a bit of a competition going on, all the money towards the Inter Jockeys Fund. And I'm delighted to say we've managed to, to raise a bit, which is uh, always a positive, but we'll, we'll Leave all of the those sort of surprises to the end. Um, Jerry, we'll start with you quickly. Thanks for coming back on our final one this year for Chapman Only Better. Did you have a good week? Uh, yeah, it was definitely, I suppose, the honest answer is yes. I think it was a, like, if you had any interest whatsoever in ra- horse racing, national racing, it was a brilliant week. The weather wasn't too bad. It was a good, fun week. Um, brilliant racing, top class. And I just think there was great stories from the big trainers to the small trainers, from the English trainers to the Irish trainers. So, yeah, I think as a general spread, it was a very good good week's racing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and obviously, Daryl, we've seen all over Twitter, you had a pretty good week personally. Um, you weren't actually at the festival. You were obviously all over the, the Betfair website trying to give tips each day and keeping up to date. But like I say, it seemed as if you had a pretty good week yourself. Yeah, it was a fantastic week. Uh, like personally, punting wise, it was it was a great week. Tipping wise, it was a great week. But just the action was was fantastic. I wish I'd have could have could have got down there there last week. But I was shackled to the desk by uh, by Lauren at Betfair and, and Nathan there to get some content out. But yeah, what what a week! It literally had everything from start to finish. Um, I mean, everybody says every year, don't they? It's not all about Cheltenham. Well, it bloody well is all about Cheltenham. I mean, what <laughs> what a what a meeting that is! It's just unbelievable. Yeah, it was a it was a pretty special week. Um, and Daryl, it's fair to say I I definitely missed you when I bumped into Jerry on on the Wednesday, and uh, he sort of came over to me half heartedly and uh, sort of yeah, it was quite sort of not really. Sh- and do you know what he said? He said I nearly came over to say hello to you yesterday, but basically did a U turn because I was so smart. And so would have you been that El Fabiola had won the article that he would not go near me. So he waited a whole 24 hours before he could get the courage to come and say hello. Anyway, Daryl, I wish you were with me. Do you, do, you, do you ever, have you ever done it before when, you know, you're walking towards someone, you think, oh God, no. And then you pretend your phone has rang and you're just, you put the phone <laughs> up here. And then is, as you do it, you actually oh you, you hit the silent button, button at, on the side at the same time. So just in case the phone does ring and it's at your <laughs> ear, and I was just like, whoa, got to take this. And I went left hand down very quickly. But yeah, I, I couldn't. You're lucky that. I didn't see you because I would have literally been like, right. You need to go and sort of. <laughs> yeah. Point yeah. Here. yeah tough, I can't tough believe you did that. Do you know what? Next time you're on the phone, I'm just going to bowl on over and be like, hey, because you're probably not actually speaking to anyone. I remember no, true, that next yeah. time. I've given yeah, um, I've given away a big secret there. Yeah, sorry. You have, and anyone who's listening, don't trust Jerry if he's on the phone because it's likely that he's not. Um, God, terrible! I can't we've we've sort of made worse of it than I thought <coughs> it was. Anyhow, um, Daryl, we came out on top on that one, so we can remain uh, pretty smug. And that was obviously one of the highlights of day one. So whilst we've already touched on the article really quickly, I think it's fair to say it's worth bringing up again. Um, El Fabiolo was an impressive winner, five and a half lengths in the end. And um, sort of John Bomb maybe was criticised by some people, but ultimately I kind of think the best horse won. And Daryl, I think you'll agree. 
Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I do, I do think the best horse did win. Um, I thought coming, I thought at the top of the hill, I thought El Fabiolo was just being uh, niggled a little bit, and I just was panicking for a moment, and I, Jerry flashed in my head. Um, but then he came, he came down the hill fine, and he came back on the bridle on the turn for home. I knew it was sort of over. Then he stays really, really well. What they'll do with him going forward, I don't know. Um, they've obviously got an Ergamine and the Champion Chase next year. Um, they may want to go that route. They may want to go up and trip. I think he can go up and trip. Uh, he's a horse with immense ability, stays strongly. He, he's got a high cruising speed. Uh, and I suppose you could ask the same question. Jerry might be able to fill us in here on John Bond. A lot of people are talking about him for the Ryanair next year. Mm. Personally, I think you're of the same opinion, Meg, as well. I, I don't think it's the trip that beat him. I just think he was beaten by a better horse. Yes, he's a very good horse, but I don't think he is at, at the very top of the game and I'm not entirely convinced that stepping up and trip will see him improve a hell of a lot more. Uh, Jerry, you might be able to let us know if, if I'm talking rubbish. No, no, it's a few valid points. I suppose the one thing I would say is that I, on the day, the best horse won. No, no doubt about that. There's no way there was no unlucky loser on the day, anything like that. But I just, I don't think the real John Bond turned up and I'm not making oh, excuses. I'm not making excuses. But like we spoke about it with John Mann in this pod before about how good his jumping is and his jumping is his attribute. I just thought down the back, he was being very careful. He was very cagey. He Under wasn't pressure. making the grounds. No, no, he wasn't. It was too far out, Megan. It was too far out. But yeah, don't but get me wrong, best horse won the day. Zone. Exactly. So that's why he probably will be he will be going up and trip and he will be in his comfort zone and he'd be a lot better. <laughs> but don't but I do I do think. I do think John Bond's better than five and a half lengths behind, was a five and a half, six lengths behind El Fabiolo. I do think, I do think he should have been close to him. I think he should have been a better, closer race if the two horses had really turned up in the day. And that's taking nothing away from the winner. He was the horse that was probably a small bit more un, like unexposed coming into the race. Um, the hype was around John Bond, I suppose. But yeah, like I said, he was the best, best horse in the day one. And I don't think, I'm not even going to try get out of that one. That is for sure. Mm. I think best horse overall, overall one rather than just on the day. I think uh, you will, the same thing. Will, they met again. Will El Fabiola? He he could go up and trip very easily as well, like couldn't mm. he? It's in, like you know, it's interesting because like you think I in Oregon, he's, he's not getting any younger. No, yeah, I like he's not getting any younger. It'd be interesting to see, but like if he went for the championships, I wouldn't be surprised. At the same time, if he stepped up, I wouldn't be surprised. We've got to remember they've potentially got Alaho coming back as well, so. You know, at some stage, someone's going to have to take each other on. But, um, I mean, he was he was impressive. Nonetheless. I actually think you had a question in on Twitter, didn't you, Daryl, um, about um, do you think El Fabiolo could have won the Turners effectively? Up at yeah, up at yeah, basically, Adam Adam said, given how the Turners turned out, how far would El Fabiolo have won it by? He wouldn't, just saying. You not think he would have won the Turners? Well, good winner, wasn't there? <laughs> he was a very good Harry Gobden is absolutely deadly on the front. Sorry, have you forgotten who's won? Or no? Oh no! Sorry, I think you're the real whacker. I was thinking, what connection have you with the real whacker? Sorry, I mixed up with the Turners and the Brown. Or the yeah, sorry, my uh, bad. Yes, yeah, stage, stage <laughs> For what it's yeah, worth, I think he would have won it by a distance. <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree. I think he's he's exceptionally talented. Um, he was definitely a highlight. Um. On the very first race of the festival, the Supreme Novices, we saw Marine National win pretty impressively, to be fair. I thought it was a, a brilliant uh, training performance. But, Jerry, we'll go to you because Michael O'Sullivan isn't overly old. He had a successful festival festival week. And I thought this was 
one of the highlights because I, I thought he gave us a really cool ride on Marine National. Didn't panic at all. Yeah, like I, I don't know Michael well now at all. I just kind of hear a few stories about him and stuff like that. Um, sorry, someone just drove. Oh God, who are you waving to? You ain't got no <laughs> mates out there. <laughs> just, see, that was another. He's that was pretending another thing, a bit like the phone thing. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, but Michael oh Sullivan, gosh. he comes across. He's absolutely horizontal. He's so laid back. Um, I just thought he he rode like a lad that has been riding around Cheltenham for the last 10, 12, 15 years. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. Um, and like someone made made a good point when he saw. Paul Town and kick on Fasal Vega. Not kick, but when he let let Fasal Vega stride on turning for home, you'd imagine Michael O'Sullivan would a bit a bit like, oh God, I better keep on his coattails. And he actually just let him go three or four lengths clear and he just sat, he gave his horse a chance. Mm. And the way he just like like I said, he, he looked like a lad who'd been riding around Cheltenham all his life, the way like it's a, it's a, you know, up the hill. He just gave the horse plenty of chance. Yeah. I, I do think the best horse in the race won. I know people are trying to say after Paul kicked too soon, whatnot, but I think the best horse won. And I, I, I agree, massive training performance uh, as well. Because like I said, it was 100 days exactly he was off the track. And like if, if, if a big trainer was doing that, your Willie Mullins, your Paul Nichols, your Nicky Henderson, you'd have been, you know what, they do it every year, fair play to him. But it was a massive training performance as well. And a lot of credit has to go to him. And as well as the ride, it was a brilliant ride. And it was interesting. He had obviously had another winner on the day and it was, it was kind of noticeable that Willie Mullins and a few other big trainers were using Michael later on in the week. So I think this lad, he's only going to go from strength to strength, isn't he? Yeah, and as you mentioned, that other winner, um, it was Jazzy Matty. And he actually said if he hadn't have won, he'd have been kicking himself. Because I think much like with Marine National, he sort of let the horse just pop at the last. And Marine National obviously went on to win by a, a few lengths. Whereas with Jazzy Matty, he felt that he probably could have been more positive down to the last and asked for a bigger sort of stride and hopefully got away faster. So he was thankful that he felt the horse slightly got him out of trouble. But Jerry, obviously, you know, in these big fields, it's easy to say afterwards, oh, I could have asked for a big one. It doesn't always happen. And it can end up sort of going the wrong way. Really, I'm catastrophic is the wrong word, but you can end up on the floor. Yeah, big town, especially like you know yourself, you come back in and you've got one beat because you haven't asked for one at the last. And you'll have owners as well questioning it. And some of these owners might have never even sat in a horse, but the fellow beside them that their friends will tell will say to him, Oh, why didn't he ask for a big one at the last or whatever like that? But you remember, like sometimes if you ask for a big one at the big one at the last and he gallops out through it, loses his back end, that's if he stay, stays in all fours, your race is gone anyway. So mm. sometimes you're you know, it's you can't win, but it was, you know, like I said, it was the two rides he gave those horses. And like Jazzy Matty, like he'd, he'd bits and pieces of form, but I don't think anyone fancied him whatsoever in the Boodles. I like even probably even Gordon's own team. You'd have picked two or three others definitely ahead of him. But I just thought he got a very cool ride again. He kind of went out there with loads of confidence. Um, but yeah, he's he. I think from the, the jockey's point of view this week, I think he was definitely the one that everyone put in in their notebooks. Yeah, absolutely. And and like you said, he's, he's clearly um sort of, cool as a cucumber he's, he's definitely horizontal and uh sort of young young head on on sorry an old head on, on a younger body i think is, is fair <laughs> to say he's, he seems he seems like he's been around riding at Cheltenham for a long time um daryl another ride that i thought definitely but tuesday was exceptional so all of these races you can just you know make such a big sort of fuss and story about because it was a really special day but derek fox Corrup Rambler oh, winning the yeah. ultimate again. I mean, that it was literally a copycat ride from last year and it worked perfectly. 
it was outstanding. It was really, really outstanding. I watched that back again earlier today, and my God, he's just hugged that inside row for most of it. He's he not panicked at any stage, almost like he knew what he had underneath him. And um, he, my goodness me, he's just the gaps have opened for him. He, he was brave. It was just a fantastic ride, and the horse just quickened for him up on the back, at the back of the last. They quickened up that hill, and he's a he's a good horse. He is that that Gorak Rambra. I tell you that now. But yeah, Derek Fox, smooth as you like on that. I mean, especially in a big field handicap like the Ultima, twenty three runners, and mm. you do need your fair share of luck. So you do have to be a bit brave and hugging that inside row is not always the way to go as they swing around that bend. You, he almost gave a few lengths as well to the goffer and uh, Mombeck genius who sort of kicked off the bend, but he was happy to sit and wait. And yeah, it was, that was, that was one of the rides of the day for me. I, I think outside of those bigger stories, I thought Derek Fox was absolutely sensational on Corrupt Rambler. I, I loved nice. how last year he came through the middle of two horses uh, up the straight. And, and this year, he did exactly the same coming into the last. He went, found a gap Jeez. through the middle of two horses. I just thought it was, it was amazing. It literally was like he's given the exact same ride. Do you think he's a horse? Is incredible. Meg, do you think he's a horse that needs to be in between horses? Because we saw him hit the front and sort of idle a little bit. But yeah. when he seems to go through that gap, he seems to relish it, doesn't he? Going Absolutely. past horses. I mean, he literally put his head up to the stars when he hit the front. More yeah. so this time than last time, but probably he might have not. I'm not. This is not like me criticizing Derek at all, but he probably hit the front sooner this time around, just as it worked out, mm. and so therefore he had more time to have a look and, and an idol. Obviously, the concern is going forward to the Grand National. Will you be able to ride a horse that way and sort of get that luck? That you can well, say that all the time, but you know it'd be tricky. And and he's going to be ten pound well in, isn't he? Yeah, he £10 well in, absolutely. So, like, that makes it attractive. But the way he gets ridden, obviously, I mean, Jerry, you'll know, you'll know more about riding around the national fences than, than either of us, but you require luck as it is, never mind being dropped out and having to go amongst horses, you know. And it's that long running, really maybe, as well, isn't it? It's that long running after the back of the last in the national where he won't be able to idle, you know, come in. Yeah, he'd get caught and, if he idles too yeah, much. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. But no, I thought it was, look, back to Chatham, I thought it was a fantastic performance. And like you said, you know, a, a ride that definitely needs credit. Um, right, let's move on to our champion hurdle. I mean, to be honest, I was pretty much speechless. It was incredible performance. Um, Jerry, everyone at the Nagenson camp must be over the moon. I, I mean, again, he's made seriously good horses look totally rubbish I, I, phenomenal yeah definitely and i suppose like like to be fair you have to like zan here he was like it was an incredibly good ride by davy to finish third you know he rode him to be third but like the way he he made statement look state man look just average he looked like a handicapper the way he just mm. jumped and quickened away from him but i just think constitution hill like it was one of those he People would have been nearly disappointed if he had to get into a real battle mm. and only won by a length. But the fact he's won by nine lengths and nearly unextended, you know what I mean? Nico's only had mm. to give him a slap down the shoulder. I'd say Nico hasn't actually got even got lower in the saddle. And like what he did at the last, that's just pure, pure ability. And the, what I liked about it, like he came up very long, but he landed as far the other side. He didn't clip the top mm. and nearly knuckle over. The horse has so much ability, so much scope, and I really do hope he goes chasing next year. That would be, I think he could be, he could actually improve again for offence. 
yeah, it'll be interesting to see what route they do go. That that's kind of been all the talk um, since the champion hurdle. Will he go back for one more? Will he go to the champion chase and skip an arkle? You know, with the I know that obviously the owner Michael Buckley has got the idea in his head that he would love to try and emulate Dawn Run and go for the Gold Cup eventually. Could he do a champion chase on route to that? It'll be interesting to see, obviously, where they go. But Jerry, you'll kind of know more than, than we will on that front. Yeah, exactly. Like the plan at the moment, if you go back to entry for the two and a half, and then, you know, I don't think Punchdown would be ruled out, but it probably probably wouldn't be the, you know, he probably wouldn't have enough time in between. But then he'll go away, he'll have a summer break, he'll come back in next year. But he's the kind of horse you have to be careful because you couldn't, you you can't actually give him too long out because he's so big and heavy. He literally he get mm-hmm. fat on fresh air, so he will actually be monitored when he's turned out for the summer because you don't want him coming back in these six hundred and fifty kgs and trying to get all the weight back off. So he mm-hmm. might only end up having kind of a bit of a shorter holiday compared to some other horses getting back in next year. There, there's, there's no rush, is there, to make a decision. And like like Nick de Bumble said yesterday, school him over a fence next October and make a decision from there. But yeah, I, my own personal, I, I'd love to see him jump a fence. I think, I know he's a champion hurdle winner now, but he's he's a chaser, in my opinion, masking over hurdles for sure. Are we, are we getting a bit like ahead of ourselves? Like I love Constitution Hill as well. Like God, he's, he's outstanding. But... Fences is such a different discipline to hurdles. And are we getting ahead of ourselves just assuming that this horse can skip a novice chase division and, and go in and run an open company next year over fences and he can go and win gold cups, this, that, and the other? Jerry, is there a danger? And this is just playing devil's advocate. Is there a danger of this horse not being as good as he is over hurdles, given the heights that he's reached when he goes over fences? Um, and I agree with the novice with the novice division, Daryl. I wouldn't be a fan now of going straight for the for the arc or for the the champion chase next year. I just think you're a novice for well, hopefully one season. Just use it to your advantage. I I, I wouldn't agree with that. And even like when Coney Gray went for the went for the Gold Cup as a novice, it was a massive decision. I know it paid off, but after that, then he probably paid the price for it. You know, there's a mm. massive difference between taking horses on in novice company and open company. But I can see your point of view, but just knowing the horse as well as I do and seeing him just every time we ask a question, he just answers it. And I do like to me, you know, like past, you know, champion hurdle winners, like, you know, even like Epitant, Bouverdeer, Binocular, like, you know, they were proper hurdle horses. I know Bouverdeer went chasing. He never made it. He won two novice chases, but he wasn't a natural chaser. Whereas this lad has the scope and he physically moves a lot better than some of those previous horses I named which is a big thing when it comes to jumping, like the bigger, like the looser moving horse that you are, the better. Because some of these ex-flat horses that turn out to be very good hurdlers, they don't jump a fence because they've had plenty of issues along the line as flat horses and stuff. But this lad, he's a big, loose moving horse. And I do genuinely think he could improve for a fence. On, just on that note, Meg, uh, we got a question about, about this like sort of subject from uh, Declan Healy. He said, if Constitution Hill goes chasing, which English horse <laughs> do you think could challenge for the champion hurdle? And now I'm putting that to you two because I ain't got a clue which English will speak well, good enough. I suppose I suppose the worrying thing is the first eight home in the Supreme were Irish trained, weren't yeah. they? Yeah. So, you know, the likes of Tamaris, he's going to be going up and trip. He's going to be jumping a fence. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming. Um, so, yeah, you're kind of, I suppose you're going to have to go to the, the juvenile division eh, and try to hope that one of them comes forward to be a champion hurdle horse. But name isn't jumping out well, of the moment. Well, we've got Imperia Pass, who's likely to be going back for Willie to, to the champion hurdle route. So, I mean, the Irish sort of 
division, if Constitution comes out, oh, Irish team for that division looks stronger and stronger and stronger. So to be honest, we're going to have to find something out of the woodworks somewhere, but I'm not sure we will. Absolutely. Um, our final race um, was the Amateur Jockeys Novice Chase, the National Hunt Challenge Cut. Um, Galliardo Mesnel uh, ended up winning for Willie Mullins, Patrick Mullins. Um, probably wouldn't have won if it wasn't for a faller. Um, I wouldn't be convinced that he was a, a highlight necessarily from the week. He was a short price favourite and sort of made a hard work of it. So I think it's fair to say we'll move on to Wednesday because obviously we want to get uh, through some more highlights um, without going over the clock. I know Lauren will be on the timer, so we, we, we've, got to, <laughs> we've, got to, we've, got to, we've got to keep moving on. Um, Imperiate Pass, I mentioned, um, he obviously won the Ballymore very impressively, showed a lot of speed and... I think he's got a high cruising speed as well as a turn of foot. Um, and like I say, the initial reaction from Ruby afterwards, um, Daryl, was to step back and go down that champion hurdle route. So do you think that's something that is correct or would you rather see him staying at this sort of trip and beyond? Again, he, he was outstanding. I think he can pretty much do anything he wants to do, really. He has got a high cruising speed. He was quicker. The only horse quicker over the first two days from the back of the last of the line was Honeysuckle. But Honeysuckle... Oh, my and, word. We forgot Honeysuckle yeah. from yesterday. Sorry. But it's fine. But Honeysuckle, the race, the mayor's race, was run so slowly that it's probably not worth talking about because I don't think Marie's Rock gave her a run in. A couple in behind didn't give their run in. It was terribly slowly run. They were around 40 lengths behind the Supreme Novice and the handicap on the card um, midway through the race. So it was dictated by Love Envoir. Honeysuckle was well positioned. Yes, she got a, a fairy talent in, which is fantastic. But she was the only horse quicker than Imperial Pass from the back of the last of the line, and that includes Constitution Hill. And I thought he was exceptionally impressive. Um, I think I personally think he's the best novice hurdle we saw last week. Um, and that was a good field, I thought, in, in the Ballymore. Obviously, Hermes Allen, I don't think, gave his run in, did he? Uh, Harry Cobden said he definitely didn't sort of perform like he has done previously. So look into that. He could be seen again if he's fine um, somewhere at the end of the season. Brilliant. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, uh, you mentioned Honeysuckle. I was going to leave that to the last race on the Tuesday and then um, I sort of scrolled down on my racing post app, but the results and totally missed it. Um, obviously, as you said, maybe wasn't the best time, whatever, but I mean, the story was just totally incredible. It was a highlight for Ch at Cheltenham. I don't think there was any denying that. Um, the atmosphere, the way people reacted to it was mm. unbelievable. And I think not just for Honeysuckle herself, but probably... For the De Bromheads as well. Um, Jerry, obviously, you were there. I mean, it was a pretty incredible moment, wasn't it? Yeah, they, they, I mean, there was no no person deserving more of a winner last week, was there, than Henry De Bromhead? What a, like <laughs> like that that I, I, do you know what? It's moments like that, and I don't want to get too sentimental, but it's moments like that that do bring racing together, and it just does really show what a wonderful sport this is. And uh, yeah, very fair play. Henry's horses ran really well all week, so we definitely got them mm. got them there, Cherry Ripe. Um, yeah, a, a real moment in racing, I think, that won't be forgotten by those that were there on, on the Tuesday. Fairy tale stuff, I think, yeah. I'd say. And that, Jerry, you, you were obviously there. I mean, it was pretty incredible, wasn't it? Yeah, and I don't know, like, like I love my flat racing. I know I, I followed an awful lot during the summer, but you just could not re replicate that, what happened on Tuesday at Cheltenham 
last week. You couldn't replicate that in the flat, no matter how many derbies or whatever, whatever you want to compare to guineas or, you know, you know, you just could not compare the atmosphere that was there. Like from a personal point of view, you kind of the with the disappointment of John Bond, which was kind of annoying. Then obviously Constitution Hill was incredible. And and then obviously, I suppose from a personal point of view, I kind of thought we might win the mayor's race, one of Nikki's horses. But then with with the actual result, like it just lifted you again because you nobody, like you said there, nobody Nobody could find any, like, she was just an incredible filly. It was just an incredible day. And the, like, it's interesting because I, I followed, I was in the parade ring when Constitution Hill was coming back in. And I thought, I looked up at the stand and it looked busy. And I thought, geez, it's absolutely packed, the amount of people coming to see. And then half an hour later, when Honeysuckle came in, there was nearly an extra 10 people deep to see her. It was just, you couldn't mm. replicate that, you know. It was just an incredible, incredible story, I suppose. The fact that they got a bit of kind of grief for not going for the champion, but, on all in all, it was the right decision, I think. And I was I was one of those people that thought she should have went for the champion. But fair play, it was just an incredible decision. And the fact that she was retired there and then, I think mm. they were actually even on about getting her swabs done and getting her covered as soon as they could. Um, but no, it was just an incredible day. And just, I just, like you said there, Johnny Burke, like fair play to him. He gave Love Envoy incredible ride. Like at one stage, like he was clocking 17 second furlongs. He was doing 23 to 24 miles an hour. He got such a soft lead. And a fair play to Honeysuckle, you know, it was going to turn into a bit of a dash up the straight. And she still had that will to win that, you know, she showed those guts. And, and no, it was a brilliant, brilliant day. And like I said, it was a great result. And especially for the, the Bramheads, you know, and to see mm. all, all some of the kids, the friends and the daughters there was just a brilliant story. Yeah, Did anything come out about Marie's Rock yeah, after that race? Nothing to note, I don't think. I think just with hindsight, I suppose, the fact that she was going to be going three miles in two days' time if she ran the stairs, probably, you know, I think if we time over again, she probably would have gone forward and probably pressed the leader. But she does need to settle first as well. Yeah. You know, you do have to switch her off first. But I just think stepping back up and trip. But yeah, she was she was disappointing. There's no getting away from it. She didn't turn up at all. Um, well, I'm slightly conscious of the clock and I want to get through some more of these races. So we'll click on with, with the rest of Wednesday. Um, some of these... I'll sort of mention without going into deep discussion. Um, obviously, we don't want to miss out anything, but the Royal Wacker was a, a, another amazing story. I thought Sam Tristan Davis was uh, exceptionally good on, on him as well. Real positive ride and his jumping. I mean, Jerry, that's the type of horse you want to be on around Cheltenham, isn't it? Yeah, massively so. And and the other thing, I suppose the disappointed, disappointment in this race for me was Jerry Colomb, that he didn't travel better. He just lacked mm. that gear that you have it's to have slow. in the top class. Mm. Yeah, and he just, like, and what really annoyed me is that a lot of people were giving out afters about Jordan Gainford saying, oh, he, you know, if if Davy Russell or if Jack Kennedy was on the horse, they would have won. I couldn't have that whatsoever. This horse for me lacked the gear on the day, didn't travel, didn't bring him into the race far enough. And he, he looked he looked slow. There's no getting away from it. Like, before this race last week I thought he was going to be a real genuine Gold Cup contender for next year and I do really like the horse I tipped him up beforehand but for me he just lacked that bit of class maybe to travel through these proper grade one races and I just couldn't have it that Jordan Gainford was anything to blame I thought he gave the horse a lovely ride and did very well to get the horse as close as he did he's but a national nothing... type isn't he like an Irish national yeah, type isn't he yeah exactly and I just like I even thought afterwards, Dar, like, does he even have the speed to travel in an English national now? Yeah. Because you do have to, you know what I mean? That is a bit of a worry, but nothing, you can't take away from the real whacker. He jumped, he traveled, he he lives a bit on the edge. He, Sam was throwing him at fences. He came up every time. It was a great performance. And I thought Sam gave him, you know, 
an exact ride to get, you know, he, he, he had a small bit up his sleeve jumping the last and he held it on the whole way up. But yeah, no, it was take nothing away from the winner. Great result. And for small stable, you know, a brilliant result. Um, another pretty awesome ride was from Harry Skelton on Langadan in the Coral Cup. He finally got his day in the sun at the festival. Um, he was it's continued to be fairly well well fancy to, to run into a place because he for whatever reason is good at Cheltenham and also at the time of year. Um Daryl just have a quick line on him because I, I do think it was you know a highlight for many reasons. One the horse is not very big but he's got a heart of a lion and he deserved the day more than anyone. Yeah absolutely he did um yeah brought down in the race last year obviously went to Aintree and won and then and come back and finally got his Cheltenham Festival victory. Yeah like the ride again was fantastic. I mean there were so many good rides last week but Harry's just snuck him into this race. I mean, you, you could have almost picked him out from a long, long way out, the way he was sort of travelling, keeping him nice and tucked in. But the horse is so brave to go for those little gaps. Many of the gaps that a lot of horses would shy away from it, and he doesn't. Mm-hmm. He sticks his head down and he, and he gets in there. And and again, the way those two, Langadan and Epic, and an Epic song, quickened, uh, got into a real battle after the last. You know, he showed plenty of heart there. What what a what a lovely horse he is. Um yeah, I, I love that horse, Langer Dan. I think he's, a, I think he's a class act. He's, he is cool. He, he loves the rough and tumble of a, of a real sort of big field handicap hurdle, so it does really suit him. Um, Energman Champion Chase. Wow, this was a performance. Um, did a couple underperform? Absolutely. Can you knock him? Absolutely not. Um, and and Jerry he well and truly left the Clarence House form behind him. And we saw the sort of old Nergeman uh, last last week. Yeah, and I think we, we spoke about it beforehand as well. We kind of think with hindsight, they probably had the tactics wrong the last day at Chatham with him. And they let him stride on the other day and it was just much better, wasn't it? He was he was much more comfortable. Um, the ground probably suited him as well, the slower ground. And obviously, Edward Stone, I don't care, he didn't turn up, didn't he? He, didn't, he wasn't going from the word go. For a horse that can be keen and actually over-racing, Tom Cannon was actually, you know, he was never comfortable. Uh, but no, it was very impressive. You know, there was no getting away from him. He's a big, powerful horse. And um, no, it was good for um, for the English point-to-point scene. He came through that kind of division. So, you know, it was good for them. And um, no fair play to Tony Bloom. He, he's um, He's got a good horse in his hands. Yeah, absolutely. It's nice to see him in back to pro- proper form because um, we've seen a few sort of underpar performances from him, I think it's fair to say. Um Cross Country Trace went the way of Delta Work. Gordon Elliott with a one-two. I thought Galvin ran really well his first try in um, the cross country races. He'll certainly be back for more action at some stage. Uh, the Grand Annual went to Mascada, Dara O'Keefe, and Henry de Bromhead. Like we said, Henry did have a fantastic week. But the final race on the Wednesday went to a dream to share, which again, this was another kind of fairy tale, a dream come true for sure for the Gleason family. Um, John Gleason on board. Still doing his leave inserts in, in Ireland, which is amazing. He's still studying, has a champion uh, bumper winner, first ride at Cheltenham, quite incredible. And obviously, JP McManus bought the horse from John's dad, Brian Darrell. For someone who has little experience, who's still an amateur, riding in a grade one at Cheltenham, what a ride this was! Yeah, my goodness me, balls of steel. <laughs> that's that's the definition of that. Christ, uh, all that pressure on your shoulders as well. And the horse was well fancied, big money purchase from JP. You know, you've been trusted by JP to keep the ride on the horse. 
my God, he's he's a he's a jockey going places. He is. That's that's for damn sure. Um, in the race overall, I thought it was a fantastic race. I thought there were a couple that were given too much to do. I, I, I've got to be honest. It's for me. I thought it was given yeah. so much to do at the rear of the field, but again, he didn't kind of settle. So you know, you tomatoes, tomatoes with that sort of thing. Um, I thought Captain T ran a blinder. Um, mm. I thought that was a fantastic run from him. Always on the sharp end of the pace. Did the best of those on the sharp end. Um, yeah, he, he looks a, a serious horse for for, for for the following season. But um, just touching quickly, Meg, on the um, on the what do you call it? The, uh, the cross country chase. Do you think we've got a question from Sam McGuire? Is it time for this race to have uh, penalties and and whatnot to make this more competitive? Would you like it to go back to a handicap? How do you see the, the cross country chase? My personal opinion is I kind of would like to see it back as a handicap. Um, I think it would make it more competitive for sure. You know, you've got two proper grade one chasers who were potentially gold cup horses at one point going into this um, division. So, yeah, I do feel like it should be a handicap. I don't know what Jerry kind of thinks uh, about that. Yeah, well, I suppose just as well they got rid of saunas because if it went back to handicap, there'd be a lot of lads in no the sauna trying, the to do, yeah. trying to do 10 stone when you've got, like you said, when you've got gold <laughs> cup contenders in the race. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I could actually see it going down the penalty route as opposed to handicap. Um, but yeah, I can see their point of view because, like you said, you've got proper, proper Grade One horses here, mm. and it was a great race. It was a great spectacle. But you kind of do feel sorry for some, even the kind of the proper cross country specialists in behind that on ratings that they're probably thirty pound less. But you know they can't compete with those sort of horses. But no, it would be interesting. I, I don't personally think they'll be reassessing it, but I think it'll stay the way it is. But yeah, it, it would be interesting if they did put in bring in penalties. I think as a punter, right, I think a lot of punters just think I can just get smashed into one in here because I know the likes of Delta Work is not going to be beaten by half of the field. So as a punter, I think a lot of people go into the cross-country chase with a bit of a banker in their back pocket. But in terms of a race, I, I think penalties have to come in, don't they? Yeah. At, at some stage, make it make it slightly fairer for, for yeah. the others. Um, <clears throat> could be somewhere Jerry Glong goes in a few years' time and it's not, not quite good enough for uh, <laughs> the World Cup. Um, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, right, Thursday, um, a day for personal reasons on my behalf was pretty special. Dad managed to get his winner for the first time in three seasons and stage star kicked off the day with uh, with a victory in the Turners. And um, obviously I was delighted for Dad to get that winner on board uh, on the board again. But to be fair, Harry Cobden gave this horse a, a brilliant ride, really positive once again. And Jerry, he jumped so well. It, clearly he really enjoys it around Charman. Yeah, but like, like you just touched on there, I think massive credit, obviously to your dad as well, but massive credit to Harry Cobden. I, th- mm. I thought this was a brilliant ride. I do think that the Irish lads in behind probably gave him too much rope and probably thought, you know what, he's probably a better horse on better ground and he'll come back to us. But it's just mm. interesting because, am I right in saying this horse hangs left, left. or hangs right, yeah. left. left? And like Harry says, you literally... You, ha- you can't pull on the rein because if, once you start pulling, he'll start fighting you straight away. And I do think, I thought it was, I thought it was a masterful ride. It was brilliant. He got a soft mm. lead. He jumped from fence to fence. Um, but I just think, if, just from an Eng- English racing point of view, I think it's important that you've got a grade one novice chase won by an English trainer by a great syndicate because, you know, we, we like whatever winning handicaps by these English trainers, so we do need to be kind of competing in the graded races as well. And I thought it was very important for for the English racing, um, well, for UK racing, that 
that we were getting that they were getting a few winners in the grade ones. But I, I all credit to, to Harry. I thought it was an incredible ride and a massive shout out to Laura Morgan as well. I think that was a massive run by not long till May. He was at the front end. He didn't give Harry too much rope. And I think it's obviously, you know, it's playing played to his to his advantage. I suppose Mighty Potter. Did he turn up? Did he not turn up? He didn't jump. He didn't travel. He did plenty wrong, and then he hung right. It probably was it wasn't great viewing watching him for me. Mm. Um, he was disappointing, but you just cannot take anything away from the first and the second horse. I thought the second horse ran an incredible race. Yeah, I actually saw um, Laura the the following day, and she was so proud. She sort of said, "I couldn't believe I even had a horse coming to Cheltenham taking on the big guns. Never mind to to run so well." So. Um, although she hasn't got loads of horses, she's got a few that are, are pretty good and um, she can clearly train. So she deserves some, some decent ammunition. Um, the Potemps was won by Good Time Johnny for Tony Martin, at Tony Martin and Liam McKenna. Um, again, another trainer. Great to see him with another winner at the festival. Um, he's had winners left, right and centre, flat jumps, everything. And uh, this was... I think it's fair to say connections celebrated properly and, and uh, sort of shouted this this one home for sure. But in fairness, Daryl, good time Johnny won fairly well in the end. Yeah, and another another great ride by Liam McKenna, really, because it was a never say die ride. He was he was he was stone cold last, I think, coming down the hill, and and he's one going away with with plenty in hand. He, you know, you, you do love it as a punter. You do love a jockey like that who doesn't give up. You know, and does know their horse well enough to think that you've just got to keep shoving away and keep pushing and he will come good for you. Um, yeah, good race. couple of disappointments in there. Personally, from Maxim, I thought, came there swinging. Um, I was a bit disappointed with Davey Russell. Did Again, like in complete contrast to, to Liam McKenna, didn't want to pull his stick through on Maxim. And uh, I don't know. I was a little bit disappointed with Davey Russell in the, over the, overall, really, on this day. But, um, you know, you look at someone like Liam McKenna and that that's the type of... Uh, type of jockey a punter wants to, to be back in. Yeah, in- interesting thoughts there. Um, one jockey that we certainly can give credit to for, for her ride on Envoy Allen is Rachel Blackmore. Um, back to proper Envoy Allen performance, I suppose, in the Ryanair. Jerry, I'm going to go to you because I just wanted to get a line on Shiskin as well, who didn't really travel with the same enthusiasm as he did when we saw him return um, to winning action last time. And... Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on, on both the first and the second in that. Yeah, I suppose with Shishkin, you know, after he won at Ascot the last day, like Nico de Bombeville commented afterwards, and it was very, you know, anyone could have picked out. The minute he jumped one or two fences, he knew the horse was going. Mm-hmm. He knew he was in business. And I think it was the exact same here, but it was actually even earlier when the tapes went up we knew you were beat. He just did mm. never, this horse, for some reason, he was just a small bit reluctant at the start. He never got into a rhythm. Like the plan from Nicholas' point of view, he wanted to give him a bit of room. But then the horse started jumping left a small bit. So he had to kind of switch in left because he ended up bumping a few lads mid-air mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And then when he was in amongst horses, he didn't travel great. And yeah, like he was disappointing, very disappointing. Um, and There's got to like be something dead. wrong with him, Jer. There's got to be something wrong with him. Jumping out to the left. Yeah, like but that. you say that, and then the way he flew up the hill, it's like, was yeah, it? Yeah, but he's gone from a champion chase winner to looking like he wants. Thinking about it, I don't know. It, there's so many ways. to looking like he wants three miles in the space of three runs, though. Yeah, well, like I do. Like I, I do know that they're on about taking the tongue tie off, and Nico kind of blamed that he didn't face it properly or whatever. But I don't know. For me, the horse. 
he definitely thought about it in his head down the start. I know Ruby made a point after as he'd love to see blinkers on the horse just to wake him up a small bit and just make his mind concentrate because you know, if it's a physical issue, horse doesn't come up the hill as well as he did and get as close as he did to Envoy Allen. But aside from that, we cannot take anything away from Envoy Allen and a massive training performance again because it's not that long ago this horse was a massive talking horse. He won the bumper, he won the Ballymore, he was the next big thing. Then obviously chain sta- stables, things didn't go according to plan, whatever. And like this horse could have very easily been retired or even, you know, but he's just come, Henry's just found the key to him again. But I just love the way he jumped and he traveled the way he was in Rachel's hands from the minute the tape mm. went up he really wanted it and mm. I thought he was a very good winner and you cannot take anything away from him he was it was a great performance and I think it was good from from Chievely Park's point of view they haven't had the best of seasons with the amount of horses they have in training and stuff so it was good to see get see them get one on the scoreboard as well and just hopefully they'll turn up now and kind of reinvest next season again you know yeah absolutely they've obviously they they've sort of openly said you know they've had a couple of incredible seasons and this year hasn't been their year but like you say nice to see them with a, a, a good winner at the festival um i think it's fair to say that there's only one race that daryl wants to um really <laughs> discuss and that is the next one and um we couldn't really put this to you jerry i think that would be slightly unfair because cider burley 66 to 1 when we talked about him in the pod earlier in the year and Daryl, we basically were like, is he actually serious? Like basically <laughs> laugh. Um, thought you'd totally lost the plot, but he won. Oh and my God. I just can't even believe it. Do so, uh, you know what? Thank the Lord, because to be honest, this horse coming in has basically paid all our Indie Jockeys Fund money. I'll tell you the total <laughs> at the end, but thank, thank the Lord you were on this one, I tell you. <laughs> he was brilliant, wasn't he? He loves Cheltenham, he loves he loves the spring. Um, he's just he's just such a gutsy little horse. I love him to death. Um, things didn't go quite to plan for him last year in the attempts when he was sort of ha- really badly hampered. And uh, he went out and won at Aintree and I'm, I wasn't on him um, when he won a grade one at Aintree beating Florent Porter. And do you know what this horse? He's just he does. He's got the same sort of ride or run style every single time. He cut. He looks a little bit outpaced at top heel. He comes around a bend, and he doesn't give everything until after that last. And I think a little bump at the last really sparked him up as well. And uh, yeah, that was just that was a moment I'll never forget. Um, that honestly, for, for someone like me who's trying to make their way in the game, like to tip a hundred to one winner for Betfair at the Cheltenham Festival in a Grade One is just like it, I don't know how. A hundred. Well, yeah, I'll put him on the um, I'll put him on my anti post column back in January for the Cheltenham Festival Focus Followers, a series that I do all see from October oh to March. Oh my word! And I'll put him up at hundred to one then. Yeah, so yeah, you've flown this one. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, a moment I'll never forget, Meg. A moment I'll never forget. And then yeah, Nick well, Luck shouted me out as well, which was great. Did you say again, sorry? Nick Luck shouted me out as well, yeah, which is great. He did, he did. I was with um, I was with Nick on the Luck on Sunday show this weekend. He, he gave you another shout out. I'm um, not sure if you saw that, but um, yeah, yeah he, he he did give you give you another shout out because that was pretty impressive tipping. So so fair play. Um, and every time we brought the stairs back up, you remained uh, faithful. So yeah, we'll give it to you. Credit where credit's due. <laughs> um, the plate handicap went to Seddon, who has definitely been revived since joining the John McConnell team. Um, and the Kim Yore went to Angels Dawn for Alan. K- uh, sorry for Sam Curling um, and Mister. P.A. King, not sure, Jerry, you may know him better than, than I do. Um, but the one that I did want to mention um, 
is you were well winning the Jack Bromhead Novices Mayor's Race, um, beating Magical Zoe, bit of controversy around that, but ultimately I think the winner was very impressive and um, thank the Lord boosted the Challah Hurdle form. Yeah, yeah, and I suppose, like, I'm not just saying it now because I did actually back her on the day you were well, but arguably she actually had the best form coming into the race, didn't she? You know, she she was second in grade one behind Hermes Allen and like he kind of, he was at the top of the betting for the Ballymore. She'd won a grade two since, to be fair, Jamie Snowden, I think he's really placed his filly incredibly well this year. Um, she's a nice filly with a big, with a nice pedigree as well. So she's an extremely valuable commodity now, especially after winning at the Cheltenham Festival. Um, very good ride again from Gavin Sheehan. I thought we saw it a few times this week. A few lads got soft leads at Cheltenham. Sometimes you, you, you don't get it. And, you know, sometimes you pop out and you try to get a soft lead and you got a kind of a, a 50 to one shot on your outside, annoying you and hassling you. Whereas Gavin, he jumped out. I don't think he necessarily had to make it, but he got a very soft time for it again, a bit like Johnny Burke did in the mayor's race earlier in the week. Um, great ride, great training performance. Second horse, I suppose, came from a long way back, had a lot of ground to make up even on the turn. Um, but I, And like I said, Lucia, she's ran her race. She's a bit gassy early. I do think the five-pound penalty has probably gone against her. You know what I mean? She's been beaten four lengths, giving the winner five pounds. But take nothing away from the winner. She questioned who had the best form going into the race, um, given a great ride, like I said, by Gavin. But yeah, she. what I liked about her, if you watch her back as well, the way she jumps, she looks like she'll jump a fence as well mm-hmm. next year. Uh, I think That's they're on about going down the, the Love Envoy route this year and going to Fairy House for the grade one. But I do think she could be an exciting mare again next year going over fences. Yeah, I, I think that is the um, the route that they're likely to take, if not this season, then definitely in the future. But again, like with Constitution Hill, she will have a school over fences at some stage and then they can make a decision going forward. Um, but again, nice to see um, uh, an English winner of one of the novices. And uh, for Jamie Snowden, who only sent a very small team to Cheltenham, so great to see them um, having some winners as well. Um, OK, so our final day, the Friday, um, again, we were so sport with incredible racing throughout the week. Um, Paul Townend, he made a point of getting it right. He chose the right horse. He gave her the right ride. And Lossie Mouth was very impressive, I think it's fair to say. Now, I'm not totally convinced that this triumph hurdle is going to turn out to be incredible, personal view. Um, but on the day, you you can't knock Lossie Mouth for what she did. And, and Daryl, um, much to our disappointment, we were both on Blood Destiny. Paul Townend got it right. Yeah, and I completely agree with your assessment there about about the race itself. Um, yeah, Paul Townend got it right. I don't think Blood Destiny gave his gave his true running at all. But the 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 the, the issue is when you're sort of tipping and trying to back these um, juveniles, is we don't know how they're going to travel for the first time, do we? And it's little things like that that can make a difference. Perhaps you go back to Punchestown and prove that running all wrong um i've got a couple of questions here if, if you're interested for uh, on this sort of subject um the coach says why do they make buzzy young horses walk so far to the tape my main gripe every year is with these false starts and the mess of the race that it can cause so i think he's talking about obviously there was a false start in the um, triumph hurdle the juvenile hurdle and the day before in the plate when it was almost a standing start how do you feel do you think that's unavoidable meg or is there something is this I actually think it's the the starters having a little bit of their moment in the sun. But do you think they're a little bit too harsh sometimes? Because I didn't think there was anything wrong with the original start of the Triumph Hurdle. 
sometimes I think they should let them go. Sometimes I can kind of see it. But I think, Jerry, you're the person to ask. You know, you, you've ridden against the tape for more. I'm, I've been lucky in the first start because you're in the stalls. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Jerry, it's frustrating when there's a full start for the jockeys and ultimately no one wants that to happen. But sometimes it's clearly out of control. Yeah, definitely. Like, I suppose with this race in particular, I think it was actually Ben Pauling's horse. It was in a chip cut. I think like French horse, first running, first run in England. He was a bit buzzy down the start. And, but like I said, these are young horses as well. And But the other thing is too, trainers are a fraction to blame as well, even though they're stood in the stands. They're telling their jockeys, you know, be, you know, get a good start, be handy. And all of a sudden you've 12, 12 horses deep at the tape and you're going to have something you're going to have something cause a problem or whatever like that. But yeah, I can see his point of view, but I don't think there was too many false starts this week, was there? No. There was a couple that were... Yeah, a couple were dodgy, weren't they? I mean, like, I'm not a massive fan of the standing start where they where they want them to sort of all line up at the tape and sort of... Yeah, I think that's nonsense. because Part of it as well is, like you said, they, they go quite far back is, you know, they might be saying, the sergeant might say, right, lads, you've got 30 seconds. If you go for a little walk back and come in and just walk, you'll be the right time. Mm. So, you know, when you've got that many horses, it's hard to obviously control them all. So keeping the horses moving to an extent obviously helps and you're trying to get it right with the off time. So it is a bit of juggling at the same time. And although it looks like sometimes they're going miles back, it's because of the time before the off. Okay, that's um, interesting. I didn't they know keep, that. If they keep taking small turns, you know, they start kicking or, you know, someone gets wiped out and then they they almost get worse. Bit of mm. space, once they're walking, you can kind of, the jockeys fit into their position a bit. And then you want to hope that the basically front row can try and keep everyone slightly under control. But it doesn't always happen like that. Um, that is part of the reason. Anyway, um, County Hurdle, we saw Bridget Andrews winning again, which was brilliant for Dan Skelton, Favois, who was 33 to 1. Really great to see Ray, uh, Bridge back on the board alongside Rachel, a couple of girls getting some winners. It was brilliant. Um, then we saw another novice um, go to the way of GB, Stay Away Faye, and we must all thank Charlie Davies, who came on one of our earliest pods. And at the end, we said, right, Charlie, come on, give us a, a, a tip that's because I think he came and talked about um, break the Gold Cup and, and another race. And so we said, you know, give us one we don't know about. Stay away, Faye. 33 to 1, I think he was at the time. Yes, Charlie. Thank you very Outstanding. much. Outstanding. Daryl, were you on? Yeah, I was on. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I only threw like 25 quid at like 33 to 1 just to um just because he said about it and he, he was just very passionate when he would make when he was sort of making the case afterwards as well. He really, really looks the horse. So Fair play to Charlie, honestly. I tweeted him immediately after he completely Aww. ignored me. So, but um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> fair play to him. I think that Harry Cobden deserves a lot of credit again, you know, once more positive ride. And I actually, although he disappointed, the horse disappointed at Doncaster last time, I actually think the messy race made a bit of a man of him. The occasion so certainly lit him up to him. He travelled exceptionally and jumped exceptionally as well. But Harry Cobden... Positive once again. He's riding well from the front, isn't he, Joe? Yeah, and like I said, I, I have to kind of eat a bit of humble pie here because when Charlie came on, oh, him, yeah. I just thought, <laughs> I just thought, 
uh, to me, he just looked the slowest horse in the world. <laughs> like that race at, at Newbury, it literally took him like 12 minutes to get from the third last to the line, and the ground wasn't even that bad. And I was thinking, oh, That's this lad does one not. of those is from your yard went a million miles an hour and made it such a task. And I was like, this horse does not have the speed of the class to win a Chetlam. I, I think your words were, that has no chance. Very <laughs> and similar, then when he, when, if not those when, exact words, Daryl. And then when he got beat at Doncaster, I was like, well, he won't even go to Chetlam now anyway, so he he might go to Aintree or something. But yeah. And then, of course, yeah. yeah. So, fair come, play. Did you come and find me after this one, did you? <laughs> no, no, no. I was, probably, I was probably too depressed in the bar at that stage, I'd say, Megan. Honestly, um, like you had a bad but, week after Constitution Hill won. Um, brilliant winner, moving on swiftly. Third horse, definitely horse to take out of the race. Paul Nolan's Santor Clegan. Mm. Okay. Definitely horse to take out there. I think this horse will be very, very interesting going back. I don't think he'll go to Aintree. I'd imagine he'll go back to Punchdown for the grade one there. This is a horse we kind of touched on beforehand, maybe when the previous pods about the but about the the Albert Bartlett but if you watch back that race again he's one to go in the notebook and I think he'll improve I spoke to James Nolan who'd be Paul's brother who kind of oversees the training of the horses and they fancied him beforehand and they think he'll improve again next year for a fence so like I'd be he's the kind of horse now I'd be kind of looking at for a novice chase next year definitely okay interesting we like we like horses for the notebook so that's great um I'm going to just mention a couple um of the other Friday races before we wrap up um the Fox Hunters was won by Premier Magic 66 to 1 by uh, trainer jockey Bradley Gibbs. We then saw Impervious win the Mayor's Chase, Brian Hayes. Um, again, a, a real positive, I think, strong ride is probably the, the best way to, to describe that. And Iroko won our final race, which was brilliant for, again, a smaller team, Ollie and jo- Ollie Greenall and Josh Guerrero and Aidan Kelly on board. So, so that was. Um, the last three races of the festival but obviously don't worry I haven't forgotten like I did earlier we need to mention uh, the, the main race of the week and that was the Boodle's Gold Cup uh, to be honest I just thought this was such an incredible race there was absolutely no hiding places was the Daryl absolutely not no and it's not often you have a race that pans out where the two best come to the fore and that was absolutely the case I mean, under no doubt about it, that that Brave Man, Brave Man's game, best of the British, and, and Galloping Deschamps, best of the Irish, came together head to head, and Galloping Deschamps gets on top from the back of the last to the line um, under what was a fantastic ride for Paul Townend. Um, Galloping Deschamps is, is, is a, a wonderful horse for sure. Brave Man's game, just the same. Do you know what? I would love to see them both on a on a flat finishing track and see how they got on there because I think that would be a good clash. Um, I, I, I hope to God that these two keep battling out for the next two seasons, if you like, because um, I think that they, they could really sort of brew up a, a good a good battle each year. And uh, yeah, I thought they were by far the two best horses in the race. Um, the likes of Statler and maybe not so much Noble Yates, but they were ran off their feet in that early part of the race with, with some imperative to get a good position. Nothing really went right for Galloping the Chance at the rear of the field. But uh, he proved he's, he proved he is the best about, and um, yeah, what 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 a gold cup! It was a proper old school gold cup, wasn't it? A proper test. It really was, um, and you know, fingers crossed that both horses do stay sound, and we can see um, them come up against each other in, in the future. Whether that's you know the end of this season, punch down, whether that's next year in the gold cup, King George, who knows? But um, I did see. 
I did see someone say that Brave Man's Game didn't stay. What a load of rubbish. Yeah, I think that's unfair. I think, what you know, a load he's, proven of rubbish. That he stays, he's proven Rinkers. that he acts around Cheltenham. Yeah, um, perhaps perhaps the, the stiff uphill finish just maybe edged him out right at the end. But he was on the sharp end of a decent pace. He definitely stayed. Nonsense, whoever says that. It's rubbish. Jerry, do you think that the stamina thing is just purely he's been beaten by a, a better horse on the day rather than he didn't stay up the hill? Like, how, how can you drop a horse out last in the Gold Cup? And the ride Paul gave this. What I love about this story, Paul Townend came back in and he said, you know, that wasn't the plan. I didn't actually want to be that far back. And, like, the horse got him out of trouble. But, like, he didn't actually need to say that. He could have just said, yeah, you know what? I just I love the horse. <laughs> I just dropped him out. Best horse in the race. But fair play. Like, he came and he came back in. He said, thank God he won because he would have imagined the, the criticism and, uh, I was going to say use a bad word there, but better not. He was <laughs> going to have got if he got beaten after dropping the horse out that far. But it was incredible. And like there was a lot of a lot of fallers on seats pulled in the race, so like he could have very easily been hampered. But he just had such a clear passage. You could like you could run that three times, and he could have got he could have fallen. He could have got brought down. He just every, I just it was incredible. If you could write a passage through a race from last position, from a, like and especially when they didn't hang around, I just thought it was an incredible ride, incredible horse. Yeah, you can't take anything away from the horse. He had his doubters beforehand whether he'd stay, and like you said, he jumped Brave Man's game. They jumped up sides at the last, didn't they? And like he showed a turn of foot from the back of the last. Never mind worrying about. He's he's just a quality horse. Yeah. And I like I said, Brave Man's game. I'm delighted he ran his race because, you know, a lot of people were kind of saying he didn't go on a you know uphill finish stuff like that. But he was. Best, best, best horse won, and I thought it was just a great result. And I think, I think the bookies got hammered. I'd say for that race. Yeah, I'd say they they had a bit of a hammering during during the week. There was plenty of favourites that, that did actually come in. Um, a couple of things just to note there is one Galapan. Firstly, how he stood up, a couple of mistakes he made. I do not know, and the fact that he stood up and then still managed to lock back onto the bridle and turn in and travel into the straight the way he did was phenomenal um and the other thing is all the races were slow during the week other than the gold cup um mm. daryl you might correct me there if that's wrong but i'm sure it's the only race and it was fast by nearly a second i mean yeah, that is incredible. Proper yeah proper that was, you know there was no hiding places whatsoever so we were spoiled with an amazing um renewal of the gold cup and like we say let's hope that all the horses um, come back safe and sound next year for another uh, strong renewal and thankfully all the horses that did um, pull up or fall are all fine as well so that's good news um, okay I've got literally a couple more things because we are slightly running out of time um, but both of you if we look into your crystal balls I know you'll both feel like you, you've got them anyway um, but let's have an imaginary crystal ball and Cheltenham 2024 I want two picks from both of you, please. Oof. Either a big story or a winner or, you know, this is, it doesn't have to be what's definitely going, what you would like to see either way. I want two picks from you both. Let's start with you, Daryl. Right. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you a tip first, first and foremost. Um, I'm going to say that Sir Gerhard, who is around about 33 to one for the, will win the, win the Ryanair next year. Um, Ooh, I thought he, okay. I thought he travelled exceptionally well for the Brown Advisory, and he's obviously a not a non-star at three miles. I think the two and a half miles is perfect for him. So um, I'd okay. probably back him after Punchestown because he'd probably flop at Punchestown first. Um, okay. The other is I would like to see Constitution Hill 
go straight for a gold cup. Oh my word! Right, okay, so that's your fantasy one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and Jerry, <laughs> I I thought my Constitution Hill fantasy was bad enough until I heard that one. So mine <laughs> is that Constitution Hill wins the champion hurdle on the Tuesday and then comes back and wins the Queen Mother on the Wednesday. Oh but, my you know, god! Are you having just, me on? Just turns up. Um, no, I I do like I don't know like regardless whether he goes for the Arkle or the, or the Champion Jays, but I'd love to see Constitution Hill at Cheltenham in one piece next year, still unbeaten and over a fence. He's my no, he's come my. On. We don't do sitting on the fence on this pod. In which? In the Arkle. Okay, fine. Ooh, really? That's the first one, and yeah. then your second yeah. one. My second one is, I just magical Zoe. Um, Stepping forward next year, she I, she's not a massive filly. She's not over big. I think she'll stay over hurdles. I don't see her as a chaser, but I think in the mayor's race next year, she's she's an improving sort of filly. She's likely raced. I still like for me. She she ran an incredible race the other day, and for me, I think she's the mayor that I'll be siding with going into next year into open mayor's company. Okay, interesting. Well, thank you both very much. Um, I just want to uh, give the medals out for our tipping competition. Um, Jerry, you get the bronze medal, having raised two hundred and eighty-five pounds. Um, well done, Jerry. That means you tip. came last, Jerry. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Be kind, Daryl. Um, no. I managed to get the silver medal with six hundred and forty pounds. And thank the Lord we had Daryl, because otherwise the poor Indo Jockeys Fund would not be um, getting much benefit from just me and Jerry. But Daryl managed to raise one thousand five hundred and sixty pounds, which is just Insane. So, Daryl, thank you. The IGF will be thanking you massively as well. So, a total of 2,485. Um, I think we'll, we'll be pretty pretty pleased with that. And obviously, thanks to Betfair, um, who have us, uh, allowed us guys to, to have the um, sort of £20 to spread all across the festival week. And for the last however many months, we've taken full advantage of all those bets for the <laughs> Jockeys Fund. So, big thanks to Betfair. Um, unfortunately, that really is it for Chapman Only Better. But we're going to do our best to try and sort of wangle our way into getting another podcast of some description before um, we go into Cheltenham Only Better for 2024. Um, but obviously, thank you, everyone who has listened, tuned in and watched. And uh, yeah, roll on next year. Can't wait. And um, hopefully, Jer uh, Jerry, we can reverse the form and we're going to have to up the game, I think it's fair to say. <laughs> Definitely, definitely, for sure. <laughs>